Welcome back. It, uh, it feels weird to be back in the booth recording a fresh episode after a mini vacation almost. It's been a, a little over a, a whole week and a bit that uh, we've been doing this. A lot's happened in the last week and a half. Uh, we're going to basically just do a touch in on where we're at on various aspects of society. Uh, we're going to touch on the Facebook outage and the, the substantial whistleblower that seems to have come out of the woodwork. Uh, whether it seems legitimate or not, we'll, we'll kind of look at that. Also, as we sit down, uh, we are dealing with a breaking story out of the States with uh, Southwest Airlines looking like they are about to strike, if not currently striking, with more than a thousand flights allegedly grounded already. We will also touch on the pending and then soon to be upon us vaccine deadlines uh, across Canada. Healthcare officials and public sector employees alike are all on the chopping block and we're about to see how it all plays out. But before that, let's get into it. So right off the top, let's let's start with the Delta Airlines. Uh, it is yet to be confirmed and I'm very interested to see how the next hours and days pan out, but it looks like countless flights across the states are now grounded and or canceled due to staff more or less walking off the job uh, amidst the federal aviation mandate to be vaccinated to fly or work in the flight industry. You are seeing a, a convergence of of viewpoints we are seeing where the rubber meets the road and uh the next month or so possibly couple months are going to be critical uh in canada and the states it's it's getting to the point where we're basically uh shit or get off the pot and uh i don't think it's gonna work as easily as as people kind of thought it would uh there's there is substantial resistance everywhere uh, certainly not in the numbers one would like, but nonetheless, it's uh, we are in for a very impactful few months, and uh, we're just seeing the the first boiling of the, of the pot. Uh, and and I kid you not, I've I've seen pictures. People have sent me pictures today of hundreds of flights canceled, um, and we'll see to what effect. It seems extremely organized. And, and all the power to them, good for them, that's what we need. But this could have huge impacts. Uh, and this, this could be a domino effect. You could see this spread very quickly. Uh, and the impacts that have on business and society at large, we're going to be watching. Uh, we're going to have to see how it plays out. But uh, is this the start of a substantial resistance? Is it the point where... People are saying, okay, this is my line and absolutely no further at all costs. Um, but we will certainly be watching that and uh, with with bated breath seeing where that goes. Looking back at last week, we had the famous now Facebook shutdown. Uh, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, uh, Facebook as well as Instagram all were shut down for, for the better part of a day. 
And you can make a logical case. Errors happen, whatever. Um, maybe this points to reasons why we need to break up the big tech companies. Um, but from a technical standpoint, as somebody who works in the technical field, I, I know full well that the back end of these systems absolutely should have redundant channels. They should not and, and largely probably are not uh, interconnected structurally, meaning one issue on Facebook most likely and, and should never, but, but realistically in practice most likely is unable to take down a, a sweeping swath of tech platforms. So as soon as it happened and it, it spread right across the mother company's holdings, so not just the single company of Facebook, but all of its subsidiaries, when you see stuff like that, as somebody who's in the tech industry, I, red flags go up right away. That is not something that happens naturally or normally. It is immediately when that happened, I, I my initial thought and my current Logical thinking today says that that was a manufactured issue. Uh, I can't point 100% as to what the reason for it was, but I can tell you from inside of tech, that should not happen. So much so that it, I cannot believe that it was a natural occurrence. Um, you pair that with the fact that the same day Facebook goes down as well as all of its other apps... You have Francis Hogan, uh, the now notorious Facebook whistleblower, comes out of hiding. And not just that, the very moment they decide to blow the whistle, quote-unquote, uh, you have every major news network jumping to, to broadcast her story and share her perspective and, and side of the story. And again, we're, we're just in a moment where you kind of have to stop and and remove the emotion from it, and realize just what's happening. Uh, to me, it, it literally could not have been more clear as day. Um, but when unilaterally you have all of the the major networks pushing the same narrative in, in a unanimous echo, red flags again immediately go right up. Uh, why are they giving this person who seemingly is, is against the powers that be, so much platform at the same time that Facebook is inaccessible to most of the world. Uh, and it, it really does seem like an attempt to manufacture uh, a focus, more or less. It, look over here, consider this, maybe, maybe we're blocking this out. Focus on this and, and not on whatever else. Uh, very surface level research will show you that this whistleblower, though she brings up some valid concerns, there's nobody on social media that would argue that it doesn't hurt children. Plain and simple, we have any range of errors, any range of problems, sorry, can be found on Facebook or Instagram. You have body dysmorphia, you have, you have kids wanting to be a different size because everyone they follow who's got millions of followers looks this way. And you have unnatural editing and no clear explanation of that. It's not like you go to a model's Instagram page 
and there's a there's a flag. This this content has been fact checked. Ivermectin is dangerous, or but apply that to to real life stuff to, to stuff that really matters. Let's let's put a flag up for this image has been drastically edited. This image has been altered in a way that doesn't represent natural perception. Um, but but again, we we won't do that unless it suits the narrative. You saw how quick they were to to put up censorship for anything to do with the vaccine, anything to do with COVID, anything to do with the integrity of the American election. They were so quick to throw up these warning labels. Um, or further, we, we again, super relevant, when the Hunter Biden laptop has leaked. They, not only did they not let it reach people, they, they actively stopped the spreading of it. Uh, so much so that you couldn't post about it. You couldn't even send a, a private message that included a link to the story. And it, it, it's that's useful in two aspects from this perspective. One, it shows you they have the ability to impact their community in a, in a beneficial way if, if you want to, to suppress something. They've shown time and time again they have the ability to do that. But the application of which is, is where people really need to kind of realize what's going on. And they, they, don't, they don't censor Facebook or Instagram to try and create a healthier environment for children, even though they could. They're, you can try for about 10 seconds and find pornographic content. You can find extreme sexual scenarios that are, are, are not only on Facebook or Instagram, but I have personally reported images that should not be on a public-facing platform and they will manually affirm the the validity of having that on that platform. So it's not even a subconscious or a hands-off allowing of this material. There's, there's an active hands-on to allow material that, as a society, we should all say, hey, this is not suitable for children. This is not suitable for public access, especially with no, no limits, no age verification, no nothing. But then we get back to, to Frances Hogan and who this whistleblower is. So she's kind of jumped around a lot of the big tech companies and hasn't really held a job for more than a couple years. Um, and surface level, that should kind of raise some flags as to, is this person really stable? If she, she can't hold a job, why is she shuffling around, but also in this higher circle? But then you look at what her role was at Facebook. She came in for the Election Integrity Project. She was the leader of the group that suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. She is the leader of the group that put every single person who, who voiced a perspective that said, hey, I think this or this was suspicious about the election. That got a flag or that got removed. You got a strike. This was her project. And again, if if you're doing it in a bipartisan way and, and you've removed your personal and your team and your staff's biases from it, that's fine. And, and even can be a good thing in, in the proper rollout of such. You can, you can demonstrate that to be a beneficial aspect. However, we know, having lived it, it did not function that way. It was not done in, a, in an unbiased or attempt to be central 
way. And again, that is clearly demonstrated by the the veracity and how they censored the Hunter Biden laptop story. Again, this is the now president's son engaging in lewd and lascivious acts with underage people, seemingly underage. It cannot be verified because there's been no investigation. But allegedly, he was engaging in drugs, sexual misconduct, and uh, as well as text messages with his family members in inappropriate manners. Um, I believe the one leaked message was to his niece, and uh, so much so that his sister, I believe it was his sister, or sister-in-law, regardless, the child's mother had to intervene and remove them from that situation. So, and and again, this has all been further verified that this was indeed his content. Uh, and still, we will never have an investigation about it. But you have this Facebook body that its sole job was to to stop disparaging facts from coming out about one side of the aisle while trying to create a space to allow the other side to look as bad as possible. So, effectively, her entire job was to censor and to create a potentially dangerous echo chamber. Uh, and I, I use that in, in a multifaceted sense. So, when you lift up one perspective and you suppress another, that has a not just face-level polarizing effect. You have people that feel like they're super vindicated in the fact that they're being lifted up or grouped together below. But you also create this, this, this codifying experience where, say you're in the right side of the group. We'll use that term. So you're, you're for Trump... You're not for all of the, the radical leftist stuff that's going on. As you get kind of crammed down and pushed lower and lower, that can also be used to, to really validate your experience. You, you get to a point where you're being ignored and suppressed so much that you this mechanism in your brain just switches and you get to the point where you think, well, I have to be right, otherwise they wouldn't be trying this damn hard to keep it down. And that that probably is not the intent, but it is a, a byproduct of the actions. And it's it's a byproduct that nobody should be surprised by. This should anyone working on psychological interaction and, and patterns on these platforms has to. You you have to know that this is going to be a byproduct. So, I, I look at her, the claims of this whistleblower, and she's she's calling for more censorship and, and more government control on these platforms to, quote-unquote, stop violence. Yet, I, I would hypothesize that she's actively guilty of creating environments that have brought this to the surface. Sh these actions very well may have been what helped foster some of the, the actions that happened uh, January 6th at the Capitol. And I say that kind of half-baited in the sense that I 
I'm not going to make it more than what it was. January 6th was not an insurrection. There were no guns. There was no violence. The only, the only injuries suffered were two people that were there from police. We tragically saw one person die. That person died at the hands of a police officer. That police officer later was found out to be, a, again, extremely biased. So much so that this person has advocated for violence in regards to, to BLM and the riots of last summer. But again, uh, anything that happens on that side, we can't really investigate. It's not going to be charged. It's not going to be pursued. Um, but there have been leaked postings from this officer's private Facebook page showing support for the, the actions of the summer riots and anti-Trump rhetoric. So again, you have to look at that and, and wonder, from Facebook's perspective, have they got a role in, in kind of creating these silos, these echo chambers where people feel vindicated on both sides, so much so that they can absolutely disregard up to the entire life of a person? And Frances Higgins, she is trying to, to use the violence and, and the vitriol as a justification to censor more. Now, not only is this disingenuous face value, this person should not be believed as sincere. And luckily, I, th I think that kind of speaks to where society is in just how quick it was seen through. Within the day, the, the main perspective I was seeing was one of critical thought. Hey, this smells fishy. What, let's look into this more. Oh, she was at this company, this company, this company, and she represents drastically left-leaning views. She's for extreme censorship. She's for more encroachment on your Americans' First Amendment right to free speech and conscience. So it gives me a lot of hope to see how quick people can kind of see through the stuff. Um, and it, I think in a, in a way it kind of shows possibly just how desperate these companies and people on the far reaches of the left are getting. It, it seems like they are getting pretty desperate. And that to me is good. It, it's good. It shows that we might be at a point where tides are turning. Uh, it might also mean that we might see some more desperation. And whenever somebody gets desperate, you should always be a little worried. Uh, it's never really a good thing uh, when people get too desperate. But for now, it's, it's reassuring that it was quickly seen through. I hope that it was seen through enough to kind of remove the teeth from that dog. I, I hope that it doesn't result in congressional intercession. I hope they don't step in and decide that we're going to move forward with more regulations. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I had a friend, as soon as it happened, I got a, I got a text message about this. Hey, check this out. This could be interesting. And I kind of felt bad because I, I really overreacted in how quick I kind of tore into it. And it was no fault of them. I was 
already dealing with it. And then they kind of caught me in my processing moment. Um, but as the day developed, it, it was becoming more and more clear that there is seriously something behind this. And, uh, and yeah, it, it common people who aren't in the tech, aren't in the politics, saw through it quick enough. And that's awesome. We're, we're getting to a point where you can remove the politics and still see the bullshit. That is what we need. Because I don't care if you're left or right. Uh, realistically speaking, I have no problem with somebody on the, the normal left. Uh, a traditional liberal is still my friend. Uh, as long as we're not pushing radicals on either side, I think that's the world we need. We need more more center conversation. And you're not going to get it. You've I'm I'm certainly right of center. I have friends that are certainly left of center. But when we have those conversations, the balance equals up pretty close to center. And I think that's what what the world needs if we can just cut the sides of the scale off. Remove the far left, remove the far right. Nobody wants them. They just happen to be the loudest and most obnoxious. And maybe we're getting there. Maybe we're we're slowly inching towards kind of transcending the current politics, getting kind of above having everything be political. But while we're on the topic of everything being political, uh, we are into the thick of October now. And vaccine mandate deadlines are very much fast approaching. Uh, We are about to see the impacts. And it kind of feels like we're playing chicken. Uh, We're playing chicken between alleged COVID surges or the economic impacts of forcing a not, not ignorably small number of people out of the workforce. Uh, Quebec alone, I think there's something like 17 or 18,000 medical sector employees about to lose their jobs. Uh, Ontario, I haven't seen figures, but we can assume that we are closely analogous to Quebec, if not larger, based on population alone. And that's just for the healthcare sector. Uh, So we're about to lose a giant chunk of employees and that's fine and dandy we can cut we can cut corners we can reduce capacity but this has a a snowball effect in in a bad way so when you talk about the medical industry first off you're talking about cutting support staff doctors nurses janitors every walk of life that that helps make a medical facility run and you're going to reduce that capacity. So when you reduce hospital capacity, you can treat less people. When you treat less people, you are quicker to be overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed, you blame the vax unvaccinated and, and COVID numbers start to surge. When COVID numbers start to surge and you are technically overwhelming a reduced capacity hospital, treatment goes down. When treatment goes down, you have to make harder choices on life-saving procedures. You, you lose selective surgeries. You lose secondary care. Uh, and, and it really turns into a monster of a snowball and a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So 
you're you're firing these these nurses and doctors to save the hospital from being overwhelmed with COVID patients, but in doing so, you're you're pretty much guaranteeing that you're going to be overwhelmed by pretty much anything, uh, especially considering most of the Canadian hospitals run at a at a level that is usually at or above a hundred percent capacity. Uh, hospital overflow and and hallway medicine is not a new term to Canadian medical systems. Uh, this it was not even five years ago. It was Doug Ford's crowning topic. He's going to fix hallway medicine. And yet here we are, not only in the same spot, but we're going to make it worse. These are the same heroes. Last year we were clapping and having them reuse PPE and genuinely put themselves in, in unknown danger. And then fast forward a year later, and these are the same people that are so dangerous, they, they ought not to have a job. Uh, they Their medical choices have created a scenario where they don't deserve their job, and, and that's really their fault. It's, it's kind of really disgusting. Um, but we're, we're going to see what comes of it. Uh, will they have to fold quicker than people thought? Will, uh, will the government back down when they realize that the strong arm isn't going to work? Or, like we've seen over the last year... Are, are we going to see a doubling down of force uh, in the face of non-compliance? Uh, really all of the Canadian government, but uh, here in Ontario, Doug Ford has not been friendly uh, when faced with resistance. Uh, if, if you want any perfect example of that, just look at uh, Adamson Barbecue, Adam Skelly, where Doug Ford can have a public press conference one day proclaiming his compassion and his he feels for these small businesses and he's going to do everything he can not to to impact them the next the very next week he is talking about how this person is reckless and and dangerous and needs to feel the full force of the law literally in the course of a week and and that was one person standing up so i i i i have I'm very cautious with, with what I think might come of this, uh, but it, I certainly don't feel great about it. I uh, will see how it comes, and this applies across many industries. This I use medical as, as a perfect primer to that conversation, but these mandates are coming in unilaterally. Uh, we've had the soft rollout of the passport system in Ontario now. Uh, I have not partaken in any of it, nor... Will I? Uh, we will not go anywhere that asks for it. And if asked for it, I will vehemently not participate. Uh, if that means walking in regardless and having to assert my rights that way, if it means I have to deal with the police and, and make my case to them, if not take the ticket and make my case to the court. Uh, but wholeheartedly, I will not participate in a papers please society. Uh, you can ask me for my papers and I'm going to tell you right where you can put them. Uh, that's just for me, a, a non-negotiable line. Uh, it's, it's not up for discussion. It's not up for acquiescence. It's, it's more than an inconvenience. It's a historical slap in the face and I will not participate in it. Uh, if that means I get shut out of parts of society, then so be it. Uh, I am 
not happy about it. And I think it is wrong on every level. I think history will for sure look back at this time unfavorably. Uh, we, we look back at history and, and think, how could people do that? How could people do slavery? How could people do all of these other atrocities, residential schools, uh, internment camps for the world war. And they, any, anyone looking back and, and wondering, but not looking at today with the same historical disdain, uh, history will not fare well on our generation or any generation. History is a savage beast, uh, and it, it doesn't curry favor. Uh, so, so people really shouldn't be so naive to think that how they feel today, what they're doing today is going to age well. Uh, but, but you are, you're seeing, we're seeing, I believe it's October 22nd, the full passport rolls out for Ontario. Uh, and you can bet your dollar it's going to expand beyond where it's at. Uh, I would suggest getting your haircuts if you're against passports, because that will be probably the next industry that's going to be forced for it. Uh, if NDP get their way, it looks like they're pushing for faith institutions to implement passports next. And as a Christian, I actually fully, fully support pushing churches to do passports. And, and I don't say that as a fan of the passports. I say that as a genuine, sincere Christian and I, I look at that and just think that is the easiest way you can cut the wheat from the chaff. And any church willing to implement a passport, I do not care what government threatens what actions. There is nothing that would, would make a Christ-following faith organization go along with that. And if they did, you need to depart from that organization. It is Truly that simple. There's very little things in this life that are so black and white. But if, if a church is willing to turn people away for not having a vaccination, that is as black and white as it gets. They are not following Christ if they implement that. So I do. I, I welcome that only in the sense of being able to separate true Christ followers from, from people kind of just trying to participate in society with a, with a Christ-like veneer. Uh, and, and maybe that's a bit of a cynical perspective. Uh, I, I look at it pretty optimistically. I, I welcome it. I, I think there's utility in, in that. But we'll see how it goes. Um, some people I know have gotten their exemptions granted, so there's some shelter for, for some uh, off the start, uh, I, I worry that exemptions won't be held forever. Uh, but for now, if you've got it, take solace in it and, and kind of shelter in place. If you can keep your head down, but it's, it's certainly a, a crappy time. It's, uh, it's not a good time. I, I know people, dear friends of mine, uh, it's sad. I, and more than a handful of people I know, have, have really been forced into making decisions that are, are so morally and consciously objectionable that uh, these people are forced into these decisions and they they feel like they're looking down the barrel of a gun. I, I know people 
who were physically sick trying to decide whether they stand on their convictions, they stand on their their faith, they stand on any of their concerns, or they just kind of just, okay, I, I have to do this so I can keep feeding my family. I have to do this so I can keep my job. I can't, I have to do this so I can take my kid to skating. And I mean, I've seen a lot of red flags. Like it's, it's, it's been a rough two years, but to me that, that kind of marks a point of no return when you, when you're forcing people into making medical decisions that are so counter to their, where their, their perspective is that I don't see repairing that. Uh, you're, you're literally forcing people to inject themselves with something they don't want. They, they know the risks and they know the benefits. They still do not want it. Uh, you cannot show disparate impact. You can't show that somebody unvaccinated poses an indefinite risk to somebody. Uh, and in comparison to the vaccinated, the vaccine is not protecting like they said it was. So on both sides, you cannot make your case to force this. And and I say that as somebody who can be impartial. If what we were dealing with had a 5 or 10% mortality and a vaccine was 50 or 70% effective, you can make a case where, okay, ethics mean, yeah, we kind of have to force this. In the world we're living in, with dealing with what we're dealing with, you currently see a, a rough approximate effectiveness of 30 to 40% and a mortality of less than 1%. Uh, so you can't honestly make the case to, to force this basically at the barrel of a gun. You're threatening people with their, their livelihoods. You're threatening them with the quality of life their children can have. I, I know many parents who had to pull their kids from hockey uh, or figure skating. Uh, and again, we, we go back to our authoritarian and, and totalitarian warning signs, and, and you're seeing a prop-up of outside systems. You're seeing outdoor hockey rinks are going to be huge this winter. Uh, you're going to see people kind of do their own thing outside of the systems that are in place. And again, that's that's certainly a clear sign that we are dealing with totalitarianism and, and authoritarianism. All of the isms, uh, we're dealing with it, and there's signs everywhere. But I, it's pretty clear that the, the we're heading headlong into a precipice. It's, it's going to either get significantly better or significantly worse. I couldn't tell you which way it's going to break, but over the next month or two, it's going to break. Uh, and we're kind of just along for the ride at this point. Uh, anyone who has been on the fence has, has made up their mind or had their mind made up for them. Uh, and we'll see where we go from there. As always, I kind of like to leave on a, on a positive and hopeful note. And I, I, I struggle to try and convey. I, I hope you all are feeling as hopeful as I am, just in the sense that we are really approaching a, a tipping point. At this point, I, uh, my, my kind of perspective is I'm going to create society that I want to live in for my circle. 
That's just going to be how it is. So for me, it really doesn't matter which way it breaks. I, I'm kind of just going to do my own thing and, and pave my own path regardless of where society ends up at this point. I, I kind of, I kind of have just lost hope and faith for society and culture, but uh, I do have great hope in the fact that we're reaching a flashpoint that one way or another, we either get over and we can move past or we can start recovery. We can accept that this is the society we have and we now get to put the pieces back together the best way we can. Uh, so yeah, I, I have hope in that. I, I hope others can see that as a bit of a beacon, a bit of a light. Uh, this too shall pass. Uh, as with all hard times, they can't last forever. Although they can last a while, as, as we're learning just the tip of it now. Uh, we are learning. Uh, before I leave, I wanted to kind of just explain. We're, we're starting a new payment system. Uh, I got this from the Real AF podcast. Awesome podcast if you want to hear a, a little less censored. It wouldn't be something you want to hear around your kids. But a solid podcast taking on real core issues. It started out as a, a bit of a leadership podcast. But given the fact that society has become so political, they've they've kind of shifted that way too. Um, but basically, pay it forward. If if you got something out of today's episode or any of my episodes, all I ask is share it with somebody. Share it with one or two people, and and that is the payment system we're going to be doing. Uh, if this episode left you wanting more, let me know. Give me some constructive criticism. But, but don't feel obligated to share stuff that may not be good. If, if you didn't like today's episode, by no means. If you did, just all I ask is pass it along. Till next week, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope some good news comes your way. And uh, stay well. <laughs>